tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians. And um, I want to uh, go there again this evening. I hope and trust that you are not becoming weary with these messages on Sunday night. Uh, but they're, that, they're, that they're getting into our hearts and into our spirit and that we're learning some things about the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And every time I study this uh, at, to preach it, you know, and listen, I don't just go grab my old notes and uh, pull them out, you know, and, uh, and dust them off and <laughs> preach them over. I redo them and rewrite them and, and, uh, when, I, when I redo that. So... Um, but every time I study this, I learn myself something more. I see something that I didn't see before, didn't know before about the operation and the manifestation of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So we've, we've been discussing these gifts and we've talked about the, we've talked about the, uh, the uh, revelation gifts. We've talked about the power gifts. And those are always the exciting ones, you know, faith, healings, and miracles. And so now we're talking about the vocal gifts. And last week we dealt with the gift of prophecy. And so tonight we want to talk about the, the second in this line of vocal gifts that is given to the church. Probably the most prominent one, and we'll be talking about that a little more. But we want to talk about divers, what the, the King James refers to as divers kinds of tongues. And so I want to read our, our, our passage, our text that we've been reading from the last few Sunday nights. And uh, we won't have church next Sunday night because of Mother's Day, but the following Sunday we'll, we, we should be able to... No, we won't. Got guest speaker that Sunday. We'll get through this, okay? We got one... I should have... What I should have done is just combine tongues and interpretation together. And uh, if the Holy Spirit moves that way, we may just jam them together tonight. We'll see how that goes, all right? Because they do go together, don't they? They're the two nickels that equal the dime, right? They're the, they're the, they're the two nickels. They're the, they're the two gifts that equal the gift of prophecy. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues. The words divers there's in italics, which I told you this morning what that meant, didn't I? that it wasn't in the original text, but it was put in there to mean different kinds of tongues. And uh, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And then I want to uh, jump down to verse number 28, and I'll be reading, uh, well, let's just read. 28 through 30. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And then in verse 1 of chapter 14, 
follow after charity or love or pursue, the New King James says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Amen. So that's what we're talking about, desire spiritual gifts. And in this study of spiritual gifts, uh, as I said, we're dealing with the three gifts of utterance uh, uh, the last couple of weeks, and um, these are the gifts. These are the gifts that actually say something, and um, the revelatory gifts are the the mind of God that reveal the mind of God. The power gifts are the gifts that do something, display the power of God. But these gifts are the gifts that say something to the body of Christ, the voice of God to the church. And out of these three gifts, we talked about prophecy last week, and we said that the, the greatest of the three vocal gifts is the gift of prophecy because, you remember why that is? It's because prophecy does not require another gift to complete it. Uh, a message in tongues does, in a church setting does require... A, an interpretation for everybody to know and understand what was said so that the church can be edified. And that's what we're to, uh, that's what we're striving to do. Everything is to be done for the edification, the building up, the strengthening of the body of Christ and of the church. And that's what these gifts are for, is to edify the body of Christ. And so this gift of tongues, the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, is a very important gift. I know a lot of people say, well, it's the least of all the gifts, but it is a very important gift, and I never, we, we never want to minimize this gift of speaking in tongues, diverse kinds of tongues. We never want to say that it's unimportant because it is very important. Tongues is the doorway to the supernatural. And of the three vocal gifts, tongues is the most prominent of those three vocal gifts in the full gospel, within full gospel churches and full gospel circles. It, it is the most prominent. Now, it's becoming less prominent, it seems like, even among Pentecostals and full gospel people today because it's not being taught the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in a lot of our full gospel churches is not being taught anymore. Even in some of our Pentecostal Bible colleges, they're teaching them that tongues is not even necessary, um, that they get the Holy Ghost when they get saved. And that's going on in a lot of our full gospel um, uh, institutions, Bible colleges and churches. But, but the, the gift of speaking in tongues is important and it is very prominent and has been the most prominent in full gospel churches for several reasons. And there's several reasons why this is true. Um, number one is that speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence that you have received or that someone has been baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is the, it is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll touch on that a little later. Um, also, secondly, utterance in tongues in public assembly is the most frequently manifested gift of the um, spiritual gifts and especially of the gifts of utterance. Thirdly, tongues and interpretation of tongues are distinctive to the church age. Now, you know, all the gifts of the Spirit, there were seven of those gifts that Paul mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 12, 
seven of those gifts that were, were, were operating in the Old Testament. And we're studying, you know, in, in studying the life of Elijah and Elisha, we see the, the working of miracles. You see uh, the gifts of healing and operation. You see word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy. Seven of those nine gifts were in operation in the Old Testament and also in the life and the ministry of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was two gifts, two of those gifts that we don't see in the Old Testament, and those two gifts are tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Why is that? The reason for that is, is because those two gifts are distinctive to the church age, to the New Testament church. That's why they're so prominent. Uh, people say, why do you all stress tongues so much? The fact is we don't stress tongues so much. We just, that tongues, speaking in tongues, is a is is prominent to the New Testament age. As I said, it's the uh, evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot of um, a lot of um, benefits and blessings that come along with us being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. The closest thing that I can find, listen, and, and as I said, the gift of speaking in tongues or, or giving messages in tongues and interpretation was not in the Old Testament, but the closest thing to it that illustrates it that I can find is in Daniel chapter. When Belshazzar, you know, the king, Belshazzar, the king of, of, um, of Babylon was having that big party, drinking out of the vessels, drinking wine out of the vessels of God, and there appeared a, a, a hand. The hand of God appeared in that palace wall and wrote in the plaster of the wall. The Bible said, and I was just reading that again the other day, and the Bible said when Belshazzar saw that, they're just whooping it up, having big party time, and all of a sudden it's, uh, the hand, a hand appears, starts writing on the wall, and said that, the, that his loins were loosed and his knees smote one another. He was scared, he was scared out of his wits, amen? And it wrote on that, it wrote on the wall and said, Meany, meany, tekel, you farsen. And nobody knew what that meant until they got Daniel in there. None of the soothsayers or the magicians, nobody could uh, interpret that writing. They didn't know what it said. But Daniel came in and he had the interpretation. And he told him, he said, what that message says. And he gave him each word, what each word meant. And it said, you are weighed in the balance and found warning and your kingdom's going to be taken from you tonight. Well, that's the closest thing to tongues and interpretation that we can find in the Old Testament. I think it does illustrate it a little bit, and, uh, but it wasn't the, the, the same gift that we have operating today in the New Testament church. Amen? So uh, the Apostle Paul also gives prominence to tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And the reason he does, how many y'all know that, that that 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians is an entire chapter that deals with the proper use of tongues. And he, he, de he dealt with the misuse of tongues. And the reason he wrote that chapter to that Corinthian church was because of the fact that they misunderstood and misused that gift of diverse kinds of tongues much as it is misunderstood and misused in the church today. Now Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians, he said that we should desire and covet to prophesy and he said do not forbid to speak with tongues. Now I don't know what the folks that are anti-tongues do with that verse but the apostle Paul said do not forbid to speak 
speak in tongues. But there has to be some order when it comes to the public assembly and when it comes to the, the, the church being gathered together and utterances in tongues in public assembly, there has to be some order. That's what he was dealing with in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now, let me tell you what diverse kinds of tongues is. Diverse kinds of tongues is a supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in languages that were never learned by the speaker or that were not understood or not understood by the speaker. They're different kinds of tongues. They're languages. Listen, when a person is speaking in tongues by the prompting or through the Holy Spirit, he, he or she is speaking languages. Tongues are languages. They are not babble. They are not gibberish or anything to the sort. Individuals, people need to understand that and they need to just be careful. Listen, if, they, if someone doesn't believe in speaking in tongues, if they can't accept that, if they don't believe in it or, or, or don't want to, to experience it in their life, then please just keep a, your mouth a shut. Amen? Just don't talk about it. Uh, don't, don't, don't try to attribute it to the enemy, to the devil. Don't, don't do that. Amen? Because they are the languages that are given by the Holy Spirit and it is a dangerous thing to speak against the operation and the working of the Holy Spirit. So there are languages that, are, that have never been learned by the speaker. They've, they're not understood by the speaker. When you're speaking in tongues by the Holy Spirit in that, in that prayer language, in that heavenly language, in that spiritual language, you don't know what you're saying. You're not speaking in a tongue that you've learned. Speaking in tongues has nothing to do with your mind. It has nothing to do with, your, with the intellect of a person. It has nothing to do with any linguistic ability whatsoever. Whatsoever. But speaking in other tongues is a vocal miracle of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? It's a vocal miracle of the Holy Spirit. Now in Mark chapter 16... In verses 15 through 18, um, Jesus gives the Great Commission there in Mark 16, tells them the, to go in the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And then he said, he gives five signs, five supernatural signs that, that should follow every believer. He says, these signs shall follow him that believes. And uh, he, said, he, he said that the believer would cast out devils. They would speak with new tongues. They would, uh, what? They would uh, uh, take up serpents. And if they eat or drink any deadly thing or accidentally poisoned, it would not hurt them and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But one of those supernatural signs there in Acts 16 is that believers shall speak with new tongues. Isn't that what Jesus said? Now, now you know, there was one, there was one, one preacher that tried to explain away tongues uh, in that verse and said, well, what that actually means, this guy said, well, what that actually means was that, that new tongues there were just meant that a person who who used to cuss didn't cuss anymore. And uh, if they used to tell lies, they just tell them the truth now so they don't tell lies anymore. They don't talk vulgar talk or tell nasty jokes or anything. So they're, they're speaking with a new tongue. I'm going to tell you, folks, that's a pretty weak argument. Come on. I said that's a pretty weak argument because that 
is not at all remotely what Jesus was referring to. Listen, all four, four of those signs we know were supernatural signs, right? Eat and drink, eat, drink any deadly thing and it won't hurt you. That's supernatural. That's divine protection. Laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, taking up serpents. Doesn't mean that you get a basket of rattlesnakes and pass them around, amen? That's not what that means. But, 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 but if you're accidentally like Paul, you know, you just, remember that? Remember that? Anybody? Huh? You just flick it off, all right? And claim uh, healing, claim immunity. But four of those, if four, listen, if four of those signs are supernatural, then that fifth sign is as supernatural as well. Speaking in other tongues is a supernatural utterance, a miracle of utterance given by the Holy Spirit. And it's languages that you speak from your spirit man through the Holy Spirit, prompting and giving you the utterance. Languages that you don't know. No, languages that you don't understand, but I'm telling you, they're unknown tongues to you, but they are known to God. Come on, amen. He does. Praise God. He does understand. Amen. So we believe in and practice here at Abundant Life Family Church. Don't want anybody to be confused about it. We believe in and we practice speaking in tongues because Jesus said that tongues is a supernatural sign that will follow those who believe. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So we believe that. We, we practice that. Now, we also believe that the Bible teaches, and we believe that here, and it's a part of our the Pentecostal Church of God doctrine, that we believe that tongues, speaking in other tongues, is the initial physical evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are those that don't believe that, and uh, that don't preach that. There are even some Pentecostals that say that speaking in tongues is a sign of the Holy Spirit, but it's not, it, it's not necessary. And well, we, don't, we don't believe that that's the case. We believe, according to the Scripture, we believe that the Scripture bears it out, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience that is subsequent to salvation. That it's something that, it's an experience that we receive after we've been born again. Do you get the Holy Spirit when you're saved? Yes, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, but that's not the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There is a separate experience after salvation. When I got saved, when I got saved as, as a teenage boy, I'm going to tell you what, those, those church mothers like, like Sister Reed here that was in that church, they got on, they, they was on me like, like chicken on a June bug. I mean, they was on me and they said, okay, now, now you need the Holy Ghost. Now you need to be in the altar seeking the Holy Holy Ghost. They wouldn't leave me alone. I mean, it was like I, I wasn't complete till I got the Holy Ghost. I was saved. My name was written in heaven. I was ready to go, should have died. I was washed in the blood. I was born again. But yet there was another gift and an experience that was subsequent to salvation that was available for me and that is available to every Christian. And, and, and God wants and desires for every single born-again blood-washed believer to be baptized 
baptized in the Holy Spirit. We don't believe here or teach that you have to speak in tongues to be saved. We don't believe or teach that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. Amen. But, but we do believe, I do believe that the Bible tells us that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not an option, but it is a command because he says, be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father until they were endued with power from on high. Every time I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I start, get, I start feeling like I'm going to get refilled all over again. Praise God. Amen. So y'all with me now. I'm, uh, I'm going to teach preach a little bit tonight, all right? I know a lot of us, probably most of us know this stuff, but, but it's, we, we want to keep, because so many have quit preaching about this. And we, we want to keep this before you. And so, so if you're saved, if you're born again, you are a candidate to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is, the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's the promise of the Father. It's all, the Holy Spirit's already been given. And all you have to do is by faith, ask, believe, and receive, and be filled. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to wait. They tarried until the day of Pentecost. But since the day of Pentecost, nobody has to tarry. Everybody can be filled instantly. Praise God without tarrying. Just receive the Holy Spirit. So in the, the early church and in the book of Acts, the people were saved and then later, after they were saved, we have several Bible examples that where they were filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And uh, you, I'll just give you these references. You can jot them down and study them out for yourself. But there were five instances, five instances in the book of Acts where they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In all five of those places, it was either specifically said that they spoke in tongues or it was implied that they spoke in tongues. In, in Acts chapter 2 was the first time, and that was on the day of Pentecost. Those 120, those disciples and the 120 in that upper room had already been saved. They were not saved on the day of Pentecost. They were saved when Jesus met with them and Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That wasn't the baptism in the Holy Ghost. They were being born again right then and being saved. But that 120 in that upper room on the day of Pentecost when um, um, there was that sound from heaven, Acts 2, 1 through 4, sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. So it specifically says there that when those 120 were baptized with the Holy Spirit that they did what? They spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. So that was the, the evidence that was given in Acts 2 that these people knew they had received the baptism in the Holy Ghost because they spoke in tongues. It was the evidence. The second place is in Acts chapter 8 in verses 5 through 17. It was the Samaritan believers who were saved there in the city of Samaria under the ministry of, of 
the evangelist Philip. He was a deacon, one of the seven who God had called into the evangelistic ministry. Philip went down and preached in Samaria, had revival there. People were saved. People were baptized in water. Healings took place. Great miracles took place. But no one received the Holy Spirit. The Bible said then when Jerusalem got word that, that the people at Samaria had received the word of God had been saved, they sent Peter and John down to Samaria and they had a special service. Now listen, they had a special service after the revival for all of the converts to be prayed for to receive the Holy Ghost. That shows you right there. They had already accepted Christ. They had already been baptized in water. They had already had great joy. They had already received the Word of God that shows that they were already saved. But Peter and John came down, prayed for them, laid hands on them, that they, and prayed that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And they did receive the Holy Spirit. Someone says, well, that's one of the instances where it doesn't say they spoke in tongues. And it does in Acts 8 say they spoke in tongues. But there was a sorcerer there that had been following Philip around and he was there when Peter and John came down. Simon the sorcerer had believed in Philip's preaching, had also been baptized and uh, he was there when Peter and John came down and was standing there when Peter laid hands on these Samaritans and they received the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money and said, give me this power that on whoever I lay hands, that same thing happens to them. There was something manifested physically that Simon saw that caused him to know. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see him. Um, uh, you know, you can feel his manifestation, but something manifested that caused Simon to know that these Samaritans had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that if in, in line with the rest of the teaching of the Word of God that he saw and heard them speaking in other tongues. Amen? The third instance, the third is Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we see Saul, verses 3 through 18, we see Saul of Tarshish on that Damascus road, knocked off his horse, bright light shines on him, Jesus appears to him and says what? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He got saved on the Damascus road. Are you listening to me? He got saved on the Damascus road, took instruction from the Lord, went into the city, and God spoke to a man by the name of Ananias to go to where Saul was and to lay hands on him and pray for him. Saul had been blinded by the light that he saw when the Lord appeared to him, and he said, I want you to pray for him that he may be healed and receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when Ananias went in, he laid hands on Saul, great scales fell from his eyes and as the Lord said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Again in that instance it does not say there in Acts 9 that Saul spoke in tongues but we know he did because he became the Apostle Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians and wrote the 14th chapter and he said himself to that church I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all of you. Well I can say with Paul tonight I thank my God I speak with tongues. I thank my God he's filled me with the Holy Spirit and given me a heavenly language. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Are we Pentecostal? 
All right. The fourth, and the fourth one was uh, Acts chapter 10. Peter goes down, is sent by God to Cornelius' house, to the Gentiles. He preaches the gospel to them. They all get saved. Cornelius and all of his house get saved. And it said that while Peter yet spoke the word. Now, this was many years after Pentecost, yes, folks. Yes. This was, you know, we get the idea, well, it's just a few days later. No, this was many years later. And Peter delivers the gospel to Cornelius' house. And while he was yet speaking, while he was in the middle of preaching, the Bible said that the Holy Ghost fell on all those in the house. And you know how they knew that they'd received? It said, and Peter testified to this when he was called on the carpet for preaching in a church that wasn't in his denomination. Amen. <laughs> he said, what would you go? He said, listen, they, they got saved and they got the Holy Ghost just like we did. How do you know? How do you know, Peter? He said, I know because I heard them speaking in tongues just like we spoke in tongues. So that was the evidence at Cornelius' house. Amen. And the fifth occasion in Acts is 19. Acts 19, 1 through 7. Paul goes to Ephesus, finds some believers there that were disciples of John. He asked them the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, we don't know anything about that. Amen. He, he got them straightened out on their theology, prayed for them, rebaptized them. They'd been baptized by, by, under John's baptism, baptized them in the name of the Lord by the authority Christ had given, and then he laid his hands on those 12 individuals, prayed for them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence that they had the Bible says that they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. So I concede to you and conclude today that, that, that uh, concur that the evidence, the initial evidence, yes, listen, there are more evidences that a person has been filled. You will bear more of the fruit of the Spirit. You will have more power in your life. There are other evidences. You will be more proficient in witnessing and soul winning. Yes, there are other evidences. But the very first evidence is you will speak with tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gives the utterance. And that's where we are here. That's what we believe here. God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And He wants every believer to receive. And He wants you to speak with other tongues. So, Brother Rick, why? What's the big deal? What's so important about it? What's the purpose of it? Why do I need to speak in tongues? Why do I need? Well, number one, you need the Holy Ghost. You need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I, I, my, my prayer, listen, you can ask the Lord if I'm telling you the truth, all right? But my prayer all the time is, God, I pray for every person at Abundant Life Family Church that there wouldn't be one that would be empty, but every vessel, every person filled with the Holy Spirit, overflowing, baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's my desire for you, for everyone, but, but, but that you speak in tongues. But what's the purpose? Because, listen, speaking in tongues is not something you just do when you receive the Holy Spirit. And that's the problem with so many people. When they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues, but then they go on the rest of their life, and they never speak in tongues anymore. And, and, and somebody said, well, yeah, but I'm not using the gift of tongues. But I'm going to tell you, there's something, there's something that, that, that's better than 
giving a message. There's something better that's, than giving a message in church service in tongues. And you know what that is? That's praying and communing with the Heavenly Father in that heavenly language. That's the devotional use of tongues. And there's two different uses of tongues. There's that private use, that devotional use, which every single one of us should, should, should use every single day in our life. Everyone that's been filled with the Holy Spirit. But then there's the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, which the Holy Ghost uses that gift to give messages in a service that must be interpreted through the gift of the interpretation of tongues. But why is it important to, to talk in tongues? What good is it to speak in tongues? What, what does it do you any good to get around this altar or to get in your prayer room at home and pray in a language that you don't even know, you don't even understand what you're saying? Is there any use in that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely 100%. Paul said, as I already quoted to you, in 1 Corinthians 14, 8, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And I think that I, I thank the Lord as well that I speak in tongues, but but it's and and I do it regularly and daily. And uh, there are several several wonderful blessings and benefits to speaking in tongues. There's a there's a whole lot. That's a whole message in itself. But again, this is I'm just kind of giving you some bullet points and going through this. All right, tonight, trying not to take too much of your time, but I still want you to get this. But first of all, first of all, the purpose and the benefit of, of of praying in tongues. And I'm talking about now tongues as in your devotional life. I'm talking about in your prayer closet. I'm talking about when it's just you and the Lord or when you're around this altar praying during altar time or in our prayer meetings on Tuesdays and Saturdays. I'm talking about you communing with the Lord, not giving messages, but just communing with the Lord. When you pray in tongues and commune with the Heavenly Father, see, it's a prayer language that God gives you. That, that language, those tongues, mine is distinct from yours. Yours is different from mine. Everybody has been given their own distinct prayer language by the Holy Spirit for the reason, for the purpose of praying and communing with the Heavenly Father. But the thing that's so important about that is, is that the Lord says, Paul said, that when we are are praying in an unknown tongue in the Holy Spirit that we are speaking mysteries to God. He that speaks, uh, I think it's verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14. It says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, how be it in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. I think it's either Moffat's or Weymouth's translation that translates it like this and says, in the Spirit he speaks divine secrets. You're speaking mysteries and secrets to the Lord. Nobody understands you. You don't understand you. But it is a language that God hears and understands. And you're communicating in the Spirit with the Father and you're speaking mysteries that 
mysteries about like your life. Listen to me. That, 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 I'm telling you what, the best way, the greatest way to pray. Paul said, I will pray with, with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. But the greatest thing to know is that you, you, you reach a limit when you're praying with your intellect and with your mind. You reach a limit and you only know certain things to pray about. But I'm telling you, you've got a prayer language given to you by the Father, given by the Holy Spirit that you can commune with God and pray mysteries and pray things you don't know anything about and pray things about your life you don't know anything about and pray things about your family that you don't know anything about. But the Holy Ghost does know. Hallelujah. Because He knows the mind of God. Oh, and you pray out those mysteries. You pray out those mysteries. You pray out those mysteries, those divine secrets. And can I tell you something? You don't understand it. Nobody else understands it. And can I tell you this? The devil don't understand it either. Woo! Hallelujah! He can't get in on it. Amen? He don't know what you're saying. I'm going to tell you what. That's the reason why that the enemy for, has, has fought tongues. There hasn't been anything that has been, that has been fought as hard as speaking in tongues and praying in tongues because the devil knows the power that's there. The devil knows what God and it will accomplish in you and through you through that prayer language. And if he can cut it off, if the enemy can cut it off, he will. I made up my mind. I'm just going to glory to God. I'm just going to go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. Woo! Amen. Amen. You know, they, they say, you know, churches quit having Sunday night church. And, I, and people say, well, you know, Sunday night is the night where people get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, and that's true. I got the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night. Anybody else get the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night? Some on a Sunday morning. But it is. But you know the problem is? People that need the Holy Ghost won't come to church on Sunday night. And you know what? That's why they need the Holy Ghost. So they will come to church on Sunday night. Come on. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Well, Brother Rick, they can get it on Sunday morning. Actually, there was a young lady left here this morning, caught me out in the foyer, and she said, I spoke in tongues this morning in the altar. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked. But you're praying mysteries out to the Lord, but secondly, you're speaking, speaking in tongues magnifies God. Acts 10, 45, 46, when those, those Gentiles at, at uh, Cornelius' house received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. The Bible said they spoke in tongues and magnified God. So when you're speaking in tongues, you're worshiping, praising also, and magnifying the Lord. The word magnify, when you magnify something, you're making it bigger, aren't you? You magnify some little print or something little, you're making it bigger. Well, when you're magnifying God, you're making Him bigger. Hallelujah. Well, you can't make God any bigger. You can make Him bigger to you, and He needs to be bigger to you and to me. Amen? 
You know, when you're praising the Lord and, and, and worshiping in your prayer time and you're, you're just thanking the Lord and praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord, you know, there's only so many words you can come up with, but oh, you can just let go and let the Holy Spirit pray through you. And the Holy Spirit knows how to worship and the Holy Spirit will lift up Jesus and the Holy Spirit through that prayer language will magnify God and magnify the Lord. Listen, you're not going to say anything wrong when you're praying in the Spirit because you're lifting up the Lord and magnifying God. And the Bible said no person speaking by the Holy Spirit can call Jesus a curse. Come on, amen? But you're magnifying the Lord. So, so, so speaking in tongues gives you the opportunity, the ability to pray secrets to God, to pray for things that you wouldn't know to pray for in any other way. Also, causes you to be able to magnify and worship the Lord. But speaking in tongues thirdly also does this, which is very important. Speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, edifies the believer. Edifies the believer. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, Paul says, edifies himself. Now I've heard people say, well, see, you don't need to be edifying yourself. You need to be edifying the Lord. And they're missing the whole point. They're missing the whole point of what Paul was saying there because the word edify there means to build up as an edifice. It's like building a superstructure. It's like building a skyscraper. And what he's talking about there is that when you're in that prayer closet communing with God in the Holy Spirit, in tongues, you're building up yourself spiritually. It's not a pride thing. It's not a thing where you're, 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 you're being prideful or exalting yourself. No, you're, it's a means of spiritual edification of your spirit. You're building your spirit up. Amen? Your spirit man up. You're, you're enhancing your walk with the Lord. You're strengthening yourself in your spirit man. Are you with me? Would you think that would be important? Would you think that would be very important to build yourself up spiritually? It also has the idea of to charge as, as you would charge a battery. Amen. And we know, we, we know what that's all about. If you've got a cell phone, you know what happens when your battery needs to be charged. Mine up at the top has a little gauge. And as it gets weaker and weaker and goes down, and then it, when, if I don't plug it in soon enough, there's a red it turns red and it says you only got so much battery power left and what it's telling me is you better get edified you better get plugged into the current come on somebody you better get the charger on this thing or I'm not or you're going to be dead and do you know that's the way it is with a lot of us Christians today God the gauge is saying you need to find a prayer room you need to get along with God you need to pray in the Holy Ghost for about an hour and build up and edify yourself in your spirit. Amen. Jude said in Jude, uh, Jude verse 20 of his little one chapter epistle, Jude said, uh, building up yourself on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, you're praying mysteries, speaking mysteries to God. You're edifying yourself. 
You're, 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 you're praying for things that you wouldn't understand. You're magnifying God when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, when you're praying in tongues. And, and, and also, it is, a, it, is an, it is a speaking in tongues is a means of spiritual refreshing. It's a means of spiritual refreshing. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 28, 11, and 12, and here's what he said. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. With stammering lips and another tongue, this is the rest and this is refreshing. So here, and listen, I know some people say, well, he wasn't talking about speaking in tongues. Well, Paul used this very scripture in 1 Corinthians 14 to refer to speaking in tongues by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit had Paul to refer to that. So yes, he is talking here spiritually about speaking in tongues. But there is a spiritual rest. There's a refreshing in communing with the Father in the language of the Spirit. You know what I believe? And, and, and you know, does it, who doesn't need a refreshing Amen. Who doesn't need a spiritual refreshing and renewing? We all do. Amen. Do you know, and, and the rest that comes. I mean, we listen, there's so much anxiety and fear and stress and worry and burnout that people are having. You know, people are under immense amounts of stress today. But you know what? I found a stress buster. Come on, amen. I found stress relief. I found the refreshing and the rest. And this right here will cure burnout. This right here will cure stress. What would I do without the Holy Ghost? What would I do without the ability to go before the Father and pray in tongues? Amen. You can be down. You can be, you can be dry. You can be, you know, you can just be parched. But get alone in that prayer closet. Put on a little good Holy Ghost worship music and get in there and begin to and begin to worship God and pray in the spirit. I'm telling you what, I feel like I'm about amongst a bunch of Pentecostals tonight. And you will be, you'll come out of there refreshed. Somebody's had the picture on Facebook before of a kitty cat walking, you know, at the top is a little kitty cat and says, before I go into my prayer room, the bottom picture is a big roaring lion coming out and said, this is me coming out of my prayer room. You know what they've been doing? They've been in there building their self up and getting a rest and a refreshing and a renewing in the Holy Ghost. I can go in that prayer room feeling weak and feeling down and feeling discouraged, but after spending some time communing with the Father in tongues. I come out of there, man, I'm looking, I'm looking, for, I'm David looking for a Goliath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! The rest and the refreshing. Amen? Yes, sir. We could go on and on. Those are just a few of the benefits. So people ask that question, well, why? What's the use in tongues? Well, I'm telling you, if you can still ask that question after the night, I don't know. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost, for the supernatural rest and refreshing. In these days of turmoil and perplexity and insecurity that we live in, we're, you're going to need the Holy Ghost. Somebody said one time, do you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? The answer, the reply was, you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. You, you, need, you need, amen. You do. 
I definitely, I don't know about you, I definitely need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. <laughs> or to go shopping, period. I need to get in the prayer closet before shopping time and get a refilling and a re I need some stress relief. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. We have too much fun, don't we? So, <laughs> so tongues is primarily, I said all of that, and I hope you've took all that in, but tongues is primarily a devotional gift. I want to say that again. Tongues is primarily, the main use of tongues is a devotional gift to be used in our prayer time for praising, for worshiping, for building yourself up on your most holy faith. And you and I, all of us should be more concerned about the devotional aspect of tongues than in ministering in tongues and interpretation in a church service. I want to say that again. We should be more concerned about the devotional aspect of tongues than in ministering with tongues and interpretation in the church service. And, and so as you're faithful to pray in tongues, in your private prayer time, that's what I said, tongues is a door to the supernatural. I believe that tongues is the door to all the other gifts of the Spirit. Because first you receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence in tongues, then as you begin to fellowship with God and let that spring up every day and pray in the Spirit every day, every day. I told that young lady, today, she said, I spoke in tongues this morning. I said, don't let that dry up. You can keep that going all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So as you do that, we will, you'll be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He desires to use you then in public ministry in tongues and interpretation. You're not apt to be used in the public ministry of any of the gifts unless you're spending time in prayer in that devotional area of seeking God and praying in the Holy Spirit. When you do that on a daily basis, then, then you will be in the place to, for God to use you and you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to be used in the other gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Do you agree with that? Amen. Praise God. So the gift of tongues is important devotionally. That's number one. But there also is a public ministry of speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians, we, we read it to you, 12 and 28. It says... I'm in 13. 12 and 28, God set some in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. <clears throat> After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And then he goes on to say, are all apostles and, and this, that, and the other. But diversities of tongues is listed there as a ministry gift for the body of Christ. There in that passage, Paul's not talking about the devotional use of tongues. He's talking about tongues in the public arena or in the body of Christ in the church service. So there is a public side to speaking in tongues. Paul said that not everyone is used in that gift of public ministry. Isn't that what he said? Because See, when he said, do all speak with tongues, he said, are all apostles, are all prophets, are, do all have gifts of healing, do all have miracles, do all work miracles? The, the obvious answer to those questions is what? It's no. 
Not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody's an apostle. Not everybody, not everybody has the gifts of healing. But certain ones do that God has called into that. But then he said, do all speak with tongues? So the cessationists jump on that and said, see there, not everybody speaks in tongues. You don't have to speak in tongues. He was not talking there about the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit. He was not talking there about devotional tongues in your prayer life. He was talking about the ministry to the church, to the body of Christ. Not everyone speaks in tongues and gives messages in tongues. I told you that last week. I, you know, how many years I've had the Holy Spirit, and, and maybe I can count on one hand the number of times I've gave a message in tongues in a church service. I, I just, you know, God doesn't use me that way. I don't know why. He just don't. But I still speak in tongues every day. Yes, so, so what Paul was saying there is, what, this is referring to the public ministry of the Holy Spirit. Do all speak in tongues? Well, no, the obvious answer is no, because he's talking about public ministry, not private. All are not apostles, all are not prophets, all are not teachers, all are not workers of miracles, all don't have the gifts of healing, so all are not used in the public ministry of tongues. But listen, some are. And if you are, praise God, flow in that gift, operate in that gift. When the Holy Ghost, the unction is on you to give that message. Amen? Flow in that gift. i got to bring this to a close. My goodness, where does time go when you're having fun? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, I'm just about done, 27 and 28, he said, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, and again, here he's talking about in a public meeting, in a church service. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most three, and that by course, or that in turn. In other words, not two or three talking at the same time. Two or at most three, and that in co by course, or in turn, and let one interpret, one interpretation per message. But if there be no interpreter... What do you do? And I've been in churches, services, where somebody would give a message and it wasn't interpreted, and they'd give it again. It wasn't interpreted, they'd give it again. It wasn't interpreted, they'd give it They hadn't read the Bible. If there's no interpreter, what are you supposed to do? Let him keep silent. Keep silence in the church. In other words, stop giving it. If no one's there to interpret it, don't give it anymore. You're just let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, get quiet and just continue to pray in tongues under breath, under tone. Don't disrupt the whole service. Just continue to worship the Lord in tongues to yourself. Amen? So we said, let it be by two at the most three. Now the words two and three there in that text in the Greek are personal pronouns. So it's not referring to two or three utterances in tongues. It's referring to individuals. So what Paul is saying there, he's putting a little, little, little limit on there and he said that not more than two or three people should speak and give a message in tongues in a service. And, and listen, when the preachers got to preach and everything, two people giving a message, three he said at the most individuals is plenty. If, God, if the Holy Ghost can't say what he needs to say in, in two or three utterances and interpretations, and then he said, let the prophets speak two or three, if God can't get that done in those, with the, then, you know, he, he, he's, he's got a problem. And God don't have no problems. 
It's us that have the problems. It's us that get off. Are you listening to me? So let it be two or at the most three. Let one interpret. Why was Paul putting this in here? Why was he talking about this? See, he was trying to, 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 um, he was trying to, to prevent a competitive utterance. People in the church at Corinth got competitive. They was trying to outdo one another. That's why Paul said, you're a bunch of, you're a bunch of immature kids. You need to grow up. They had the Holy Ghost and they were flowing in some of these gifts, but they were trying to outdo one another. Somebody give a message in tongues, somebody else said, they ain't getting over on me. Bless God, I'm giving one too. Praise God. And, and then another one, another one, and then, then a message be given and one person would interpret and then somebody else would say, I don't think that was right. So they interpret it too. And Paul, and it was just, everything was chaotic. Everything was out of line. Everything was out of order. And that's why Paul set these guidelines down and he said, everything's got to be done decently and in order. Hallelujah. We're, we're not just to go willy-nilly with everything. Everything has an order. The gifts of the Spirit have an order. The flowing of the Holy Ghost has an order. Are you listening to me? I was preaching a revival in, in, down in the Boot Hill of Missouri. First or second revival that I preached when I was a young preacher going on the evangelistic field. Got down there in that church and there was a woman in that church that uh, she'd start talking in tongues out loud when the song service started. And then when the song service ended, she didn't hush. And when the song service is going on and everybody's singing and everybody's worshiping, it's okay if you got your hands up and you're praying in tongues and worshiping in tongues. But when everything else gets quiet, if it's not a message, you need to get quiet too. Right? That's right. That's right. Right? Am I right? Amen. But she wouldn't. And the, the song service would be over. And she's still back there, ta da 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 da, just on and on and loud, and just on and on and on and on and on. And so it held up the service. Everybody would stop, and she would just keep going, and she would just keep going. She never paused for an interpretation. See, that's out of order. That's out of order. She was worshiping God in her, in her prayer language, but there was, it was not a message that was to be given to the church. And, and here was the thing I was upset with. Of course, I'm just a young preacher. I'm there as an evangelist. I'm thinking, would somebody go over and set her down, please? The pastor wouldn't do anything about it. He just kept letting it go on and on and on. And every night of that revival for... for, for just it seemed what seemed like hours. I know it wasn't, but she just went on and on and on and on. And so the whole service was held up until she decided to hush and sit down. Then we could go on. That is what Paul was dealing with. That's what he was dealing with. Amen. Worship team, you can make your way back. I get you up here, I'll have to hush. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, 19, Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. Verse 19 says this. So, so listen, that tells me something about Paul. He was a tongue talker. And he, he talked in tongues more than that whole tongue talking church did. So if he talked in tongues more than that whole Corinthian church, he must have done an awful lot of talking in tongues. 
He must have talked in tongues when he got up. He must have talked in tongues in between meals. He must have talked in tongues at night. He must have prayed in tongues and talked in tongues all the time. Because he said, you all are, are, are a lot of, you do a lot of talking in tongues. But he said, I thank God for one thing. I talk in tongues more than y'all. But notice verse 19. He said, yet in the church. See, there again is the difference in devotional and public ministry of tongues. Yet in the church... I had rather speak five words with my understanding that my, by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. See, he gives the difference there in the devotional and the public use in tongues and he is not listening. And your friends that don't believe in speaking in tongues that use this verse to say, and I've heard him say, well, Paul said I'd rather speak five words in understanding than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. He is talking about in a church service. If I get up here and preach to you for an hour in tongues, what good would it do you? None whatsoever. That's what Paul's saying here. Amen. He said, I talk in tongues more than all of you in my prayer time, but when I come to church, I'd rather speak five words you can understand so that by my voice I might teach you something that you can learn and understand something. He's not saying don't talk in tongues ever. He's saying in the church, let the preacher preach. Hallelujah. Don't interrupt the preaching. Let that flow. Oh, come on! And then if you give a message in tongues given, let there be an interpretation so that everybody will understand and everybody can be edified and everybody can be built up. Amen? That's the proper use of the interpretation of tongues and, and, and tongues. Amen? As, as, as with all the spiritual gifts, the tongue gift of tongues operates as the spirit wills. So don't ever listen to me. Y'all, all of us that, that, that you are used in that gift, don't ever try to operate operate the gift of diverse kinds of tongues in a public assembly without the unction of the Holy Ghost. That's the mistake that was being made at Corinth. So we've got to follow the instructions and flow in the right way so that there's not confusion. Amen? And follow those instructions and be used in those gifts and exercise first of all, most of all, that devotional gift of speaking in tongues in your prayer, in your private prayer time on a consistent basis. And then when you do that, your spirit will be edified. You can come to church. You'll have a song. You'll have a song. You know what would happen? Can you imagine what would happen if every Holy Ghost-filled person would get in their prayer closet before church service and pray 30 minutes in tongues? in commune with the Father for that church service before they came to church that night. There would be a Holy Ghost explosion. You would be edified. Then you could come and flow in the gifts and edify the rest of the church. Oh, I thank God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank God for the gifts. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. Earnestly, let us earnestly as a body covet these spiritual gifts, to flow in them as the Spirit wills. And let me say this. Let's always, and Paul said, I show to you a more excellent way. That more excellent way is love. We always have to flow in these gifts and operate in these gifts in love, right? That's the most important thing, love. So, if you make a mistake, 
and all of us are in the flesh, you know, we're in human bodies, we're prone to mistakes. But if you make a mistake, if something happens, and if you're out of order, and if the pastor corrects you for it, operate in love. Because if you are flowing in the gifts and won't accept correction, that's not the excellent way. So, you know, that's my job. To make sure everything's done in the order that God wants it to be doing. How many is hungry for the Holy Ghost? Hungry for the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. Hungry for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Our worship team's going to sing tonight. I'm going to call you all around these altars tonight. Let's seek the Lord. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, you have your prayer language. Come in around these altars and, and, and worship the Lord and seek God and pray in the Spirit. But let's seek the Lord for a deeper walk with Him. Let's seek Him for a fresh feeling tonight. Lord, we desire, we want the, the, the manifestation of Your Spirit in this church. Flow in our lives, Lord Jesus. Flow in our lives, Holy Spirit. Oh, give us the gifts of the Spirit. Manifest those gifts in our lives tonight, in this church, oh God. Manifest those gifts in this church, oh Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We covet those best gifts. We desire spiritual gifts tonight. Oh, fill us afresh and anew with the Holy Spirit tonight. Baptize every one of us with a fresh fire. How he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost when I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he on solid ground it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you Jesus Lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of my praise it makes me to shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of my praise when i think about the lord how he saved me how he raised me how he filled me with the Holy Ghost. How he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord. How he picked me up and turned me around. And he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy 
of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of my praise it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of my praise when i think about the lord how he saved me how he raised me how he filled me with the whole 